Hello friends and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Shenanigans podcast where we review the games we've been playing and discuss board game related topics. My name is Bob. And I'm Natasha. In this week's episode, we are going to be reviewing Scythe, Everdell, and Scout. And our discussion topic is going to be about Origins. We're back. We did it. We did it. We did it. We did it. So we went to Origins. We experienced Origins. We're going to talk about Origins in the discussion topic and what we th- what we thought of of Origins. Yeah, let's go ahead and get into some games. Natasha, why don't you tell them about Scythe? All right. So Scythe is a dudes on the map, kind of Euro-y, I would say midway to heavy Euro, kind of big, big game. Scythe is designed by Jamie Stegmeier. Art is by Jacob Rosalski, and it's published by Stonemeyer Games. So in Scythe, you each have a player board with only four actions. You can move your people at each of your characters. You have a character, you've got some workers, and you might have some mechs that you build out. Um, you can spend an action to move two of those figures one spot each. You can trade goods, which means you pay a coin. You get to take any two resources of your choice. You can produce on one of your hexes, or you, you can start the game out by producing on two of your hexes. That's that's how you, um, wherever those workers are, out you'll get uh, resources or you can bolster which is where you use uh, where you get the strength in combat so you've got those four actions they're really simple on your turn you just pick one of those four actions those are the top of the board actions and then if you have the resources you could also do the bottom actions the bottom actions are really fun that's where you kind of get to upgrade your your character a little bit so one of the bottom actions is upgrade so you take cubes off the top actions making them better, and putting them on the bottom actions, making them cost less. Then you can also build mechs. If you've got enough metal, you can build a mech on the board. The mechs will give you special abilities based on your your character. It allows you a little extra movement. Uh, Mechs can also uh, carry your workers around the board, which is really helpful. They help in combat. Um, You can also build, if you've got enough wood, you can build a building. There's four different buildings. Uh, There's like a tunnel. There's a mill that will produce things. Tunnel helps you get around the board, and there's a few other things that give you more bolster and more popularity. Then the other thing is that you can recruit another worker, and recruiting is kind of fun because you get to uh, take a a tile off your bottom action, and you end up being able to get a benefit every time you do that bottom action and every time your your neighbors do a bottom action. So as you're doing these actions, you're kind of trying to complete um, six of the a few of these different objectives. One of them is to get all your workers on the board. Another one is to do all the upgrades, all the recruits, get all your mechs on the board. Um, there's an objective everybody gets. Uh, they get two objectives. They can complete one of them. You can get stars by um, fighting in combat up to two times. Uh, once somebody gets five stars out on the board, or I'm sorry, six stars out on the board, the game ends immediately. And then everyone scores all of their gold. And whoever has the most money or gold wins the game. So you'll be accruing money throughout the game, but then at the end of the game, you'll also get points per star you have out there on the board, and the number of points you get depends on your popularity. Throughout the game, you'll you'll be earning and maybe losing popularity. So if you're higher up on the popularity track, you'll get more points per each one of those stars that you've put out. You'll also earn money based on how many regions you control. So towards the end of the game, you're kind of spread out so you can control a bunch of regions. And then you also earn money for points on the board. And there's some extra bonus points for wherever you've built your buildings, depending on each game. It's a little different. And whoever has the most coins wins the game. 
I think what makes this game so special to me is the efficiency that you need to be with it. So you can kind of do whatever you want, kind of wait and see how your turn's going to play out. But if you want to win, you've got to be super efficient. You cannot waste your turns because whoever gets the most stars out, well, whoever gets that six star out is going to end the game immediately and you're not going to get another turn. So you've got to make sure you're getting those stars out. You don't have to have them all to win the game. You don't have to be the one that puts their six star out, but you do want to put out as many as you can. You don't want to be good at everything. You want to specialize so that you can get those stars out, those certain objectives, because that's where the bulk of your points are going to come from. And I feel like there's so much tension in like, do I want to go ahead and get this other star out right away or do this other turn and then the next turn I can get two stars out, but is it going to come back around to me? I just feel like every time, time I play this game, I'm just filled with so much tension. I'm usually standing up. I'm waiting for people to take their turn because I got to see how this is going to play out. I'm not going to lie. This is my favorite game of all time. I love it. I love it. And I love it. So be prepared for us to just spend the next however amount of time gushing over this game because it is Natasha's favorite game of all time. And it's in my top three. Mm-hmm. I think it's actually, I think it's probably my number two favorite game of all time. And it, it's it's funny too, because this game in some ways contradicts what it is I like in games. And I rem- I played this, we've talked about this on the podcast, but when I originally played this game, I kind of just leisurely went about my turns and that's how everyone went about it. And then I remember playing the game against you and you crushed us. And I was like, <laughs> okay, I'm clearly playing this game wrong. And I started paying attention to how Natasha played, and it's a race. This game is a race to six stars. Mm -hmm. And despite the fact that I hate races, I love this game. The tension that builds and being able to, you know, try to, it's an efficiency puzzle at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. You're, You're trying to be as efficient with your actions as you possibly can. And that's the thing. What's nice about those, everyone gets a player board for their faction. And then everyone gets an action board, which is separate. And that action board has the same top four actions and same four bottom actions, but they might not be on the same spaces. So, for example. They're all mixed up. Right. So, one person could have produce and then build a mech. Another mm-hmm. player's board, the produce, the produce action it will be attached to you know, the build or enlist, those types of things. So, it, mm-hmm. it changes the game. And also, each player... Go. Each player, it costs them different resources. So it's all kind of balanced out, but some re- some upgrades might cost you less resources and some co- cost you a bunch. And then some of the upgrades at the bottom, the bottom action will give you like more coins, which is, you know, if you do that a lot, that really adds up if you can start the uh, scoring around with a bunch of coins in your area there. And that's ideally what you want to do is you want to do the actions that provide you coins and yeah. like ignore the actions that don't. Yeah, you really do. And or the ones that you can get upgraded so that they cost you the least amount of resources. Yeah, there's it, each game you kind of have to play quite a bit differently depending on the the map that you get. Pretty much. Let's backtrack a little bit cuz I think one of the things that really stands out to me is the artwork in this game is amazing. And my understanding is Jamie Stegmeyer saw the artwork and then created a game around the artwork. Hmm. And the whole overall aesthetic of the game, I think, is amazing. Yes, it's somewhat misleading because newer players who are going to look at that are going to think it's a war game because you have mechs and everything like that. But clearly, yeah. it's not a war game. 
No, there's very little combat. You, in fact, you can go the whole game with none. Yeah, this is true. You can definitely, well, you want to get, ideally, that's one of the ways to get stars. It's one of the easier ways to get stars. So normally you'll try to do at least one combat to get that star, mm-hmm. you know? But my but, last game, I, I did do combat, but I never built an entire, and mech the entire game. And it was fine. Yeah, it was probably wasn't giving you coins. It wasn't, yeah. And it was <laughs> so expensive. Why, so why even do it? You, the the fun part about this game for me now is so I I watch Natasha play and I see how she played and it changed my approach towards the game and now I think the two of us are so hyper competitive <laughs> over mm-hmm. this game that it's just it could be a four player game but in my head it's me versus you yeah <laughs> <laughs> it is it's, yeah yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> which is i mean it's not necessarily a bad thing and i what's funny is natasha has this habit and one of the last so one of the things you can do to earn a star is you can produce the last of your workers so you have a row of workers on your player board and as you produce workers and gain more workers to produce starts costing you things the first thing it costs you is bolster the next thing it's going to cost you is popularity and losing popularity is bad in this game so the more and more you're losing it, it's, it's the worst. So when Natasha produces and pulls all her workers off to get that star, that means she's she's entered the end game, and you better be right there with her, or you are done. Yep. And I say it every time. As soon as she does it, I'm like, "Well, you got one more turn." And everyone just looks at me like, "What are you talking about?" I'm like, "I tell, I'm telling you, you have one turn." <laughs> and Natasha's always like, no, I mean, I don't think I can do it. Like, there's a chance, but probably two more. No, it's one turn. That's how much time you have. If she's produced all her workers, she's ending it on her next. I don't care how many stars are out there. There could be only, t- she could only have two. She has a way of earning those four on her next turn. <laughs> Otherwise, I wouldn't have put all my workers out. No, you wouldn't. Yeah, you'd still want to produce stuff. That's fair. You did say that last time and you were right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't I'm even right think every I was going to end it. I'm right every time with that. I had a different plan, and this guy that we played with, he came in and just like went into my hex and stole all my my um my resources. Who does that? He like lose. I thought he was gonna lose popularity, but he has special power that didn't let him lose it. Yeah, that ruined my plan. You said it so smug too. Well, you lose two popularity because I have two workers, and he said no, I don't because I have the special (laughs) power. (laughs) And I was like, what? At, well, one, like, I didn't even know that it was the white Mac that gives you that. I didn't even know that was a, I don't think I've ever played with anybody who used that. That's a huge power. Because I was like, white sucks. Like, I never liked playing white because I didn't think that, I didn't move around a whole lot. So, just never really benefited me that much. But knowing you don't lose popularity. Yeah. That kind of changes everything. And I didn't know that about that faction. It can be a pretty big deal because the one of the things, so in this game, you're moving around the board. And you're almost positioning yourself and kind of playing a game of, I guess, chicken, maybe. I don't know. You're playing this weird, like, game with all the other players about moving your mechs. If you get close to one, sometimes they're like, they'll move or they'll bring a worker just to kind of, you know, as a somewhat protection move. That way, if you go into that spot, you're going to lose popularity. So it's going to cost you something. Mm -hmm. And I do think in this game, you need to punish the other players in some way yeah so for example he did that to you and sometimes what you need to do is not sit around wait for somebody to come into your space but be the aggressor and i did that in one game against with you where we were playing and you were right next to me and you weren't ready for combat 
Like mm-hmm. that was the furthest thing on your mind. And I moved in. And yes, I lost popularity, which sucked, but it brought you down enough that I was able to like come back and win the game, mm-hmm. you know? So there's, yeah, it, it just creates so much tension. You're always wondering like, how, what are they going to do? How are they going to do? How quickly? You just want to like get through your turns. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Mm-hmm. You know? Natasha yeah. gets up and she's all nervous. She's like hunched over the board, moving stuff around. The Natasha turn, infamously no, no, no. enough, we talk about that. Mm-hmm. It, it comes from this game. This is the game. And <laughs> it's when she does movement. So she like picking up all her pieces, moving it all around and then saying, no, no, this is what it is. This is what it is. This is what it is. It's because I don't have an imagination. So I have to actually physically move them, see if I like them. And I'm like, nope, nope, put them back. Try a different way. It's not even imagination and spatial reasoning. Yeah, I don't have <laughs> like that. You just mm-hmm. love, even like you love polynomial games, but you have to grab have the to pieces. Test and, yeah, yeah, test them out. Yeah, for sure. So this game, one of the things I want to talk about is kind of the expansions because I have never played the Winds Gambit expansion, mm-hmm. but I was I've played Invaders from Afar and Rise of Fenris, and the Invaders from the Far is is the kind of the expansion you kind of want with this game because it provides a couple additional factions. They're, mm-hmm. I don't want to say they're weaker. I just don't like them as well as the base game factions. They're slightly more complicated in a, and not in a great way. I, I don't like playing with them. I prefer to play with any of the base ones. Yeah, the, you end up, uh, if I remember correctly, one of them basically drops tokens that are kind of like bombs when you go over it something happens and then the other one can kind of just have this weird sort of movement by dropping flags as it moves but and then winds gambit i haven't played and part of it is my understanding is the airships don't really add a whole yeah, lot yeah i've played it and to be honest it's really unmemorable i remember not using it near as much as i could have i feel like it acts kind of like a mech except for it can fly above i, I was I could take it or leave it. It was it didn't bother me, but I didn't enjoy it. I think the two extra factions are definitely more interactive. If you like more interactive games, I think you would appreciate these two factions. The reason why I like Scythe so much is because it's there's it's not very interactive. It is and it can be more if you make it that way, but it's not heavy interaction. I think it depends on the player group. I think some groups are gonna have like lean more towards that combat focus, whereas mm-hmm. other groups are just gonna kinda do their own thing, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, so Rise of Fenris. Let's talk about Rise of Fenris because that was awesome. Yeah, We had a chance to play through it, and, man, that was such a good campaign for that game. It was so fun. It made it fun. Like, it gave you some things. It gave you, early, like, you know, starting resources, so it went really fast. It was easy to play, too, I think, because like, some of the games were pretty quick. Well, one of the games we finished, it felt like, 30 40 minutes oh yeah because one of the things it does spoiler i guess if you don't if you've never played it one of the things it gives you is alternative star objectives so you Mm -hmm. can change you can go to a more combat oriented one where instead of only two combat stars you can get four and then there's one where there's even less combat where you can only score i think maybe one or even zero Mm -hmm. so you can switch those up so it affects gameplay and yeah, like the second or third game we played, it was like done in like 20, 30 minutes. And we started packing it up and we were all like, man, we kind of want to play again. And we we're finally, we we're at game night and we we're finally like, well, why don't we? Yeah. <laughs> we want to. We, and we did. It was great. That was the Rise of Fenris is what made Scythe my number one game, 100%. Playing through it, having so much fun doing that, learning the game so well. It was awesome. 
Yeah, you got to play the the same faction multiple times to kind of get a feel for it. If you wanted mm-hmm. to, you could switch. So yeah, it was fun. I think the highlight for me was the fact that I won the overall campaign mm-hmm. against you. You were a little you were a little salty about it, which made me happy. It yeah it, it, yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll have to do it again. What play Rise of Fenris? Yeah, because it really all kind of came down to the last game, which was a bummer. Yeah, let's just put it this way. I'm I think I'm gonna go out on top and not play that play through that again with you. <laughs> if I'll play I'll play through it again with somebody else, but not with you. Oh, I would be heartbroken. <laughs> we'll play we'll play it again for sure. It did come with an, another faction too, which was super cool. It might have been two. But I know at least one of them. I know there was at least one additional mm-hmm. faction. I'm trying to remember if there was a second. But yeah, I don't know. Either way, the game, the gameplay is solid. The turns are quick. You 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 put your little peg down. You do the top action. If you have the resources available, you can do the bottom action. It suggests in the rule book if when a player is doing their bottom action that you can just start your turn to kind of speed up gameplay. And I think that's one of the things I really like is how quick the turns can be mm-hmm. when you know what's going on. You have to plan your turns out. If you're not, if you're waiting till your turn to like, oh, decide what to do, you're probably not going to be efficient because you really have to know what you're going to do this turn, next turn, because you can only you can't do the same actions twice in a row, and and it's not like complicated like chess is where you you're going to try to plan it out, but it's dependent on what other people do. Like you can really focus on like, all right, I want to set this up and then just keep doing these two actions over and over again. What I normally do when I play that game is. I set up the next two or three turns. Mm-hmm. So what I'll do is say, okay, this turn I'm producing, next turn I'm going to trade, and then the next turn I'm going to move so then I can produce again and kind of say, okay, so then I'll have, if when I do this, I'll have enough resources to do that bottom action. And then when I do that trade, I can now do that other bottom action. And now I go back. And so I oftentimes I'm planning out my turns two or three turns ahead. And yep. then every turn I reevaluate if that's still something I want to do or if I need to react to what the players are doing on the board. Because one of the things that you can do is there's a there's the factory tile right in the center. And it's valued three hexagons at the end when you score. So it's worth three territories. So it's it's quite a bit. And when you go in there, you get an additional action card, which can be really big. Mm-hmm. So sometimes if somebody like leaves there or somebody gets pushed out or it becomes you know maybe it's now un- now it's occupied and you want to you know do a combat with them so sometimes you are reacting to the board so you'll have to switch it up for the most part though i usually have my turns planned a few turns ahead and i'm just reevaluating every single turn which i like mm-hmm. yeah and and because of that you can re- the game really goes pretty quick yeah it really can mm-hmm. which i really like or right, it's kind of, at this point it's kind of a no brainer what our I mean, what kind of rating we're going to give the game, right? I yeah, mean, if you don't give this game a 10, I don't know what it can, could get a 10. This is definitely a 10 out of 10 for me. You're giving it a 10 out of 10? I'm going to give oh, it yeah. a 9.9. What? What? <laughs> I'm offended. No, I'm, I'm, giving it a, I'm giving it a 10. Yes, I, lo- I love this game. I love the artwork. I love the tension it creates. I, I liked it when I was playing it kind of free-flowing with people. But for whatever reason, once I learned how to play it correctly through Natasha's, you know, watching her play, it, yeah, I definitely liked it. Rise of Fenris, Fenris was fantastic. If you ever get an opportunity to play that, you, I would say play it. And My Little Scythe, that's a kid's version of Scythe. Man, is it good too. It's really, really good. And it's My Little Pony theme and it actually works. It's really good. Technically, it's not My Little Pony. 
because they, they they didn't have the rights to it. Yeah, but it's My Little Pony theme where you're trying to earn friendship and uh, you can do um, you know, pie fights. It's really good. But anyways, definitely, definitely recommend this game to anybody who likes uh, engine uh, engine building a little bit. You know, um, being really efficient on your turns. You know, midweight to heavy euro. If you like to make uh, bottom action jokes, it's definitely the game for you. Sign me up. <laughs> all right, that is Scythe. Best game of all time. All right, the next game we're going to talk about is the game called Everdell. This is a worker placement tableau building game designed by James Wilson, art by Andrew Bosley and Dan May, and published by Starling Games. In this game, each player will lead a group of critters as they build new buildings and meet new lively characters. This game is played over the course of four seasons, which represent the four rounds in the game. On a player's turn, they can take one of three different actions. They can place a worker in one of the available worker spots. They could play a card from either their hand or the meadow, which is a uh, central card display. Or they can prepare for season, which ends the current round for them, and then they progress into the next season. When a player places a worker, they can go to several different spots. Some spots allow multiple workers, while others only allow one, which is usually the more lucrative spots. There are some basic spots on the board which give players the main resources in the game, like wood, resin, stone, berries. They also allow you to draw additional cards. But there are also four unique spots that vary game to game. When a player plays a card, there's usually a cost involved to either to play either a construction card or a critter card. Uh, that said, some buildings do allow you to play certain critters for free. Kind of think of like Sender Seven Wonders with the chain. If you've built this building, you can build this building for free. You'll be playing these cards into a tableau in front of you, which can hold a max of 15 cards. The last thing that we talked about you could do is prepare for season. When this happens, players basically take back their workers. They're going to gain additional workers, and they usually either receive income or they're going to draw some additional cards into their hand. It is important to note that players can be in different seasons at different times, so just because one person progresses into spring doesn't mean everyone else has to. They, they're going to go at different times. But this play continues until all players have finished their final season. And then you tally up the points and whoever has the most points wins. What makes this game great is both the amazing artwork and gameplay. At first, you don't think you'll be able to really accomplish much because you only have two workers. But it has this nice build up and ramp up as you go because as you prepare for the next season, you get one worker and then you get another worker and then you get another two workers. So it has this nice build up season to season to season where when you're done with that first season, you think there's no way I'm going to be able to build 15 cards. Yeah, no way. And then at the end, you're like, man, I can only play one more card to my tableau and I really want to play three. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I really wanted to play this. This was on my list. Uh, a couple weeks ago when we talked about games we've been wanting to play. So I was really happy I got to play it. It's beautiful, right up my alley. Love the engine building, love the card play. You know, it's it's fairly simple. I think this is a great family game, a great, great welcoming game. Um, but it's satisfying, right? At first you're like, yep. oh, I get two resources and I play this one card and then that's the end of the round. And then the last round you're like, oh, I'm only going to be able to play three or four cards. But you end up just like continuously like just collecting more resources like oh i guess i can build another card or, oh, i guess i can play another card yeah it has that build up is just something kind of special about it i don't really know why because there's several games that do have this build up but this one just does it in a way that feels so 
satisfying, right? Mm-hmm. So that first season, you have two workers and you start with zero resources, zero cards. And like you may play a card, may, if you're lucky, maybe two. Mm-hmm. It's unlikely you'll be able to do that. And then you're like, all right, I guess I'll just prepare for season. Then you grab another worker and then all of a sudden you're doing a little bit more. You're accumulating some more resources. You got that income. Yeah, it has this really nice ramp towards the end. You're almost, you're trying to squeeze as many possible actions as you can, but at the same time, you're all of a sudden feeling restricted where in the beginning you did not, mm-hmm. right? So this this whole feeling of, oh, I'm not going to be able to do so much, and now all of a sudden now you're like, dang it, I could go anywhere. Now, I, now I'm getting very tight on what spots I can go to and what I need and like how many, I only have room for two more cards instead of four. It like I said, that buildup, there's just something really special and satisfying about it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's lovely, beautiful. It's not complicated. You know, it's it's engine building. But really, when you play the cards, you take the ability typically. So it's not even like you're ramping it up. I don't know. It just it just works really well. I liked it a lot. Yeah, because there's a, there's a handful of cards. There's some endgame scoring cards. There's some uh, resource generating cards that two of the seasons you'll end up doing a, like an income where you're going to be gaining stuff so there's different types of buildings there's different type of critters it's a lot of card combo combinations you know that you're really kind of get, trying to get the right cards you want yeah you're almost trying to filter through that deck and the, the deck is big but there's a lot of repeat cards so it's not mm-hmm. one of those things where it's 200 cards and they're all individual and because there's a one of the like main combos or one of the main kind of things you can do is it there's a, a wife and a husband. And if you play the wife into your tableau, you can basically tuck the husband behind that card so it doesn't take up a spot on your tableau. So it's allowing you to play a 16th card. And if the wife is paired with the husband, it gets some additional points. And then if the husband's paired with the wife, you know, that, that'll give you points and stuff, too. So it's this nice interaction between the two. If you have the inn, you can bring the innkeeper in for free. So you're able to play these cards without having to pay this additional cost. I would rate it like an 8 out of 10. You're giving it an 8. Nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I too will give it an 8 out of 10. I really like this game. I have one of the expansions. I have the uh, Pearl Brook expansion. I haven't had a chance to play it, but it gives you an additional worker and some other things to go to. Mm. Uh, one of the things I will say is there's this gigantic tree that you get. <laughs> <laughs> that you get, and I feel like in the industry it's kind of a joke at this point. But yeah. man, that tree does not serve a very good purpose. There's so there's some object objectives you can achieve in the game some are basic uh game to game to game it's have so many of the same building type you can you can claim it and then there's usually four additional objectives and it'll be have the innkeeper have the inn and then have let's say the mayor and when you do that you can go there and you can get this additional end game scoring card well you're supposed to put it on one of the levels of the tree when you put it on there you can't see it like there's no way you're going to be able to see it so don't put a tree up. Just leave the tree out of the bo- in the box. Yeah, the tree. Throw well, away. you can take the like top part where you're setting the workers on. I would say use that piece. But aside from that, the tree is just it's pretty gimmicky. I would say that tree. I would definitely recommend giving this game a try if you like worker placement tableau building games. I think it does it really well. I think it, the turns tend to be pretty quick and snappy. I think it's pretty easy to pick up. 
the artwork is just really fantastic. They do, you know, Andrew Bosley and uh, Dan May do a really good job with this artwork. I think that helps quite a bit. So, yeah, definitely give this one a try. That is Everdell. All right. This week, we also played Scout, which is uh, up for nomination for the Spiel des Jahres. So I was really excited to get a chance to play it. It's a ladder climbing card game designed by Key Kajino, published by Oint Games. So it's a nice little small game. In this game, players are trying to play a better run or set from their hand than the previous person did. If they do, that's called a show, and that person takes previous person's cards, which gives them one point apiece. If they can't play a set or run higher than the previous person, then they have to scout, which means they take one of the other player cards in front of them and add it to their own hand. Each time a player gets scouted, they receive one point, but also they their cards in front of them are a smaller set, so now it's easier for the next person to beat them. Pretty simple game, right? Well, here's the trick. You can only play cards in your hand that are next to each other. So if you have a 7, 9, 8, that is not a set. Or if you have two 10s, but they are not next to each other, that is not a set. Well, that doesn't seem interesting. You just line up your cards, right? No, you have to pick up your cards in the order that they were dealt. But you do have a choice because all the cards are, have two different numbers on them, one on the top and one on the bottom. So you pick up your your cards, you fan them out, and you look at all the numbers, and then you flip them upside down and hope and pray that those numbers are better than the other one. The other <laughs> one. They never are. They never are. Yeah. So then now all of a sudden you've got this like crab hand and you have to play a set of a run or a set that's higher and none of them are together. Yeah, that's that's the game. What makes this game so clever is that every hand seems terrible, but as you start to play the cards strategically from your hand, what's left gets a little bit better. Then as you're scouting out other play people's cards and when you take a card, you can choose which side you want to put it in and you can actually when you take a card you add it anywhere you want in your hand either side of the card so if they play the 10 with a four on the bottom and you pick up that card you can then take the four and place it wherever you want in your hand so there's a ton of strategy about when and what to scout out and then once per round you can also scout and show so there's a lot of tension around when to use that special power as soon as one person gets rid of all their cards the round is over you add up all your points and you minus one point per card left in your hand I did not expect to like this game as much as I did. When you guys explained it to me in my head, I said, okay, all right, I guess it'll be pretty decent. No, this game is great. It's so good. I I really like this game. I, as soon as we got done playing it, I'm like, man, I got to find this. I got to yeah. find this game. Like, I need a copy of it. Mm-hmm. It's just so interesting and clever the way it makes you think about the arrangement in your hands it gives you options which is really nice very rarely in this kind of game do you have options to pick what it is you want Mm -hmm. and you get it in this game you have one side or the other so you can flip it around say all right man this hand's pretty terrible and then you flip it to the other way and you're like oh wow this is even worse so then you're well let me try this and then there's a lot of decisions okay Maybe, okay, I can beat, they played five, six. All right, I can beat that. I have a seven and eight. But if I take that six, now I have a six, seven, eight. That is going to be much better later on than it is right now. Mm-hmm. And there's 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 always these moments where somebody lays out this huge set and everyone is 
just like there's no way if because if it for whatever reason if it ever goes around and nobody can beat it then the round ends mm-hmm. and if you have cards left in your hand you're the one that played it those cards in your hand don't count so you and everyone at that point still has tons of the cards in their hands so nobody wants it to end yeah so fun there's a, yeah and there's the there's this moment of cooperation where everyone's trying to kind of get as many points as you want but then all of a sudden somebody does it and now the other players are saying okay how can we fix this so mm-hmm. one plus person's okay i'm i'm going to take this card all right you now i'm going to take this card all right you have a all right i still have my scout and show so i'll do that and then i'll beat it mm-hmm. and then that person's bummed but then they start playing again and it just it has a lot of interplay off of everybody else and it gives you a lot of choices because the the biggest thing in this game i think and the smartest decision that they made was making the cards have different values on either side. Mm-hmm. So the top end has one value, the bottom end has have the other has the other. And being able to flip cards around gives it just enough manipulation where you're able to accomplish the things you want to do, mm-hmm. but it's not easy enough where it seems too simple. There's a there's a little bit of there's a lot of thinking going on in what is otherwise a small card game. Yeah, it's very small, simple. Um, I like the way it looks. It's really plain, very minimalistic. It's just bright colors. That's kind of about it. Um, and for twenty bucks, it's just in this little box for twenty dollars. It's just a heck of a game. Yeah, I like I said, I did not expect to like it as much as I did. It's good. It's a solid, solid game. Honestly. So what are the Spiel Yars nominees? It's Cascadia, Cascadia this. this, and Top Ten, which I have not played either. And you know, I love Cascadia. I I think Cascadia is. I would have totally thought Cascadia is going to win, but Scout is so good too. I don't know. That's tough. Yeah, I'm giving my nod to Scout. Yeah, I think I'm. I would definitely give my nod to Scout for sure. It's such a it's such a cool, unique game, and it it doesn't sound that interesting when you describe it but it really is Mm -hmm. there's a lot of fun to be had in this game it's it's right up there with for me it's gonna be right up there with like the crew it's gonna be one of those games when i get a hold of when it's you have a game night and it's late and you know you're you've had uh several drinks and you guys want to just sit down and have fun you don't want to necessarily think too hard about a deep euro game you bust this out you play Mm -hmm. six seven eight games of it yeah yeah with there's just it's so much strategy and so many great decisions to make within that small, simple card game. Yes. I love it. I absolutely love it. I'd rate it a 10 out of 10. I'm giving it a 9. I am bad at it, so I think that's why it doesn't get a 10. <laughs> but that, my, ability, my ability to do well in the game factors into my score. All right. Well, we'll ask you again in a couple months when you've played it a whole bunch. I bet it'll go up. And when I fig- when I finally figure it out, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. maybe the end of this year, we'll, what we'll do is we'll do like a like a top one hundred or something, and if we do that, maybe we'll see where it sits. Yeah, this will be high because this will be in my top ten, I think, for sure. Yeah, oh, I guarantee, I guarantee you. Do you think it? Do you know for a fact it's in your top ten? Would no, you say I haven't right now? put I haven't put it in my top one hundred yet, so I'm not sure exactly where I'd put it. If but you had to guess right now, where would it sit? Probably like uh, five or six. That'd be my guess without looking at it. Nice. It'd be up there. It would, is it, do you like it better than the crew? <sighs> See, this is the reason why you don't give 10s because if you give two games a 10, like they're I clearly one's, one's going to be higher than the other, right? No. 
Well, yeah, the, some of them are higher, but they can all be tens. My top twenty can be tens. My top fifty can be all tens. Yeah, I don't th- I'm like my top ten isn't all tens. But yeah, I know I'm, your top yeah. two is not even all tens. Yeah, it is. You gave Scythe a nine point nine. <laughs> that was a joke. I was kidding. Calm down. <laughs> I gave it a ten. Take him too seriously. Oh, uh, what do I like better? Um, I have to play this a whole bunch. I played the crew, and I love the crew because it each game is very different. You know, this yep. it, maybe it'll get samey. I don't think so though. I like the crew, the trick takingness of it. So probably the crew would be probably my favorite of these two. So I don't know because I don't think it's going to be very samey. Partly because the crew, when you're going through that uh, objective deck, there's a lot of cards. Okay, there's a ton of those, but a lot of them are very similar in the way they approach the game. For example, take more yellow cards than green cards. Yeah. Well, there's another one that says take more green cards than pink cards. You know, so there's a lot of repeats like that. Yeah, that's true. So I, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't feel like it would get stale. I mean, how many times as a kid, you know, or growing up, early, you know, mid-teens to college, did you play? How many games of euchre did you? you know, play eight million, right? And this game is way better than that. So yeah, for sure. I think I I think it'll be around for a while. I think it's gonna be a staple. If it doesn't win, I I would guess Cascadia would win. Mm-hmm. Cascadia is such a great board game. It's so yeah. it's so great too. They're Everyone just very different. It. They're very different too. Like the you know Cascadia is more of a board game. This is a simple card game. You know, but I anyways more than if I had a guess, I'm gonna. I would probably say Cascadia is gonna win it. But I, my vote, if I had a vote right now, and they said, "Hey, Bob, what do you think?" I'm, my vote's for Scout. That you gotta play top ten, figure out yeah. where that game lies. Yeah, that game's that game's good. Yeah, so I would recommend giving this game a try if you like card games, light games with lots of strategy. This is great. Um, it's called Scout. So that's going to wrap up the games we've been playing this week. We are going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to let you know. How was Origins? Did we like it? Did we not like it? Did we have fun? Did we not have fun? Did we play lots of games? Did we not play any games? Did we go to the vendor hall? Did we not go to the vendor hall? Did we maybe go to the vendor hall? We did all these things. Spoilers. Did did Natasha get her Greek food that she's been wanting? Did I get my pizza? We don't know. We'll have to find out. Answers yes to all of them. (laughs) Yeah, we did it all. All right, welcome back. Or so Origins 2022. Let's talk about it. We just got back. We wrapped it up. Came home yesterday night. I don't know what did you do when you got home. You said you watched a movie. I I went right to bed. I was exhausted. No, I mean I I unpack normally. I I don't do none of that. I'll just wait and leave my luggage around. The, uh-huh. As soon as I get home, I unpack. That's the first thing do. I do. Like I gotta I gotta I gotta get back into my space. No, I I didn't even get my stuff out of the car. I told my kids, I was like, don't talk to me. I'm going to go to bed. And then they ignored me and came and talked to me. But Good, good, good. <laughs> they wanted to know what games you got. They did. And they wanted to know what, you know, they just missed me. But I we we were up. I don't think like, that's true. I don't think they've actually missed you. They I think did. they just want to know what, like, what'd you get me, mom? <laughs> we were up so late every night. Man, I was tired yesterday. Anyways. All right, Origins 2022. Bob, what did you think? Oh, man, Origins 2022. It was interesting for me because this is my second Origins. To give yep. you a reference point, my la- my first Origins was last year, and it was in October, and it was much smaller. 
Mm-hmm. So this felt more, or at least it sounds like this was more of the legitimate origins experience. Yeah. And I think for me, the biggest thing is how not crowded it felt. Yeah. If that makes sense. It just didn't feel overly compact and crowded, which I'm typically used to because, mm-hmm. again, going to like Gen Con tends to be one of the biggest cons. And this is obviously all pre-pandemic that I'm comparing it to, but mm-hmm. it it just felt it felt smaller, maybe cozier would be a good example, I would say. Yeah. But big, really spread out, lots of room, plenty of open tables. Even the board game room, there was never lack of space. Uh, when we were going around demoing games, like you could pretty much get in on any demo you wanted to. You know, you didn't feel rushed. Like, all right, you're done. Next person, you know. There was a couple demos where we had to like cut it short. Because typically when I've done demos, it's you play a round or two and then, okay, that's the game. Take it. Mm-hmm. Bye. And mm-hmm. there was a couple times where we sat and they were just letting us play. Like we could have played a full game. And yeah. part of it was there was no wait. You could just go and sit down, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. The The ability just to sit down on a demo you want to play was great. Yeah. And I love how they had like Capstone Games had uh, room off the convention hall where you could go and play a few of their games there. And those were open and available with extra tables. It just felt really spacious. A lot of places to go. I did feel like there wasn't a lot of the big publishers that we also see. Like Yellow wasn't there. Yeah, Asthma Day had a booth, but it was a 30% off inventory booth. It was weird. It yeah. was weird to see that. Like I something's up with Asthma Day. I don't know what it is, but the fact that they weren't represented, especially a lot of their umbrella companies, Fantasy Flight didn't have a booth. Mm-hmm. which seems ridiculous to me. I'm surprised we didn't they didn't have a booth and the only thing they had was basically a store that was selling a bunch of games at 30% off. Mm-hmm. Just releasing a bunch of inventory. Yeah, Cool Stuff Inc. they used to have a lot of board games that they sell. Now it's it's just magic cards like there's no board games that they have at the convention at least. Yeah, they used to do the Ding and Dent and that's yeah, that's gone. So, mm-hmm. it was, it, yeah, it was basically them just selling magic cards, buying and selling. Yep. Yeah, it was definitely different. It didn't feel near as big. It didn't feel like they had any big releases that people were chomping at the bit to get in. Like, there was no lines in the morning to get in, um, except for one game I ended up wanting to buy the last day that was sold out. There, there was a little line for that. But I wouldn't even say there was a lot of buzz around it. It was, it was pretty much... You know, you can go and demo all their games. There's a few new ones. There's a lot of a lot of old ones if you were interested in playing. Not, I shouldn't say old, but like, you know, out within the last couple of years, year or two. There's a lot of opportunity where they can teach you those games as well, which is kind of nice. Yeah, I don't think I ever would have expected the day that Natasha would have to get to the convention hall early and get in line to buy a game. I did, yeah, I did. Like, it blew my mind when you were like, I need to come back and get this game tomorrow morning. I was like, what? Really? Mm -hmm. You just just loved it so much that you needed to. Sat on the demo, and you're like, this is it. I got to get get this game. All right, you want me to tell you about the game? Sure, what is it? I know know what it is, but tell them, I guess. (laughs) Cat in the Box. It's a little card trick-taking game. And the theme is that uh, you're trying to, it's like Schrodinger's cat. You don't know, if, but you don't know what color the cat is. You, it's, it's alive. We know that. 
we don't know what color it is. So you've got a hand of cards and they're all black cards and you don't define the the color of the card until you play it. Um, but then the cards that then you note that, the, okay, this is a, this three is a blue three. So then the blue three spot is taken with a little token. So now if anybody else plays a three, it has to be a red, blue, or yellow, you know, and, and then throughout the game, um, if you, there's actually five cards of each trick and you discard a couple of them, five cards of each number, you discard out of your hand a couple. So there are some that are missing, but there's still going to be one extra card or there could be one extra card that can't get played because let's say all the threes are, have been played already. And so then you caused a quantum disruption or it's a paradox you you created yeah you You, created a paradox you created a paradox because it cannot be any of the four colors and if you do that then you lose points for every trick you've taken so far so there's a lot of strategy in what card you want this do you need to take the trick because you really want to take the trick so you get it but if you do you might cause a paradox and that's bad so i'm excited to play we only demoed it and then i bought it i haven't we haven't played it since i got it yet but I'm really yeah, excited about that one. You so hyped for this game. Like, you, we sat down, we demoed it, and you're like, instantly, you're I like, I need, I need this. I love trick taking games. What, what is it about this one in particular that you like so much? I think the decision. So, I had a card in my hand when I was like, okay, I can take this trick and I can guarantee I get the right amount of tricks that I bid on. But that really risks me because I had, I think I had a three and a five and there was only one five spot left. So if I took the five or if I played, if I played one of the cards, I forget which one it is. It it had a chance of causing a paradox, paradox. So I take the, you know, and then, and then I had all these tricks that I would lose points on. So I think the decisions there were really, um, what got me the tension of like, Oh, do I, guarantee the trick but then risk losing points for all of them and i think that's really the tension in the game that i really liked we also played and you bought the ghost of christmas which is another trick-taking game and that one seems really interesting and we played it and it just kind of i don't know it almost didn't wasn't near as interesting as it sounds it's one of those things that when you first start playing it you expect it to go a certain way because in that game you have the ability so you're playing cards into three time zones, past, present, and future, like the Ghost of Christmas Past, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But if you win one of the time zones, then you can affect what Trump is moving forward. Mm-hmm. And that seemed like a super cool concept, but more often than not, it didn't play out that way. It was mostly just a regular trick-taking game. Just you would have to take three tricks. I think, mm-hmm. I feel like you could... You could have fun with that game with the right people that have played it several times and kind of just understand what they want to do. And it starts becoming a mind game amongst the people like who's going to play what, where that way they're taking all these different tricks because you're with that, you're bidding on them, too. Mm -hmm. So and depending on how you bid, you could get a certain number of points or whatever. But yeah, I I was disappointed with how not interesting it ended up being. And and I'd be willing to play it again because I'm like, well, maybe there's something here to it, but it just it kind of fell flat a little bit. It was just, that's a game by BoardGameTables.com. Yeah, it's I want to try it a couple more times to, to get a final decision on it, but mm-hmm. I think it could be I think it could be good with the right people. Yeah, I I th- I'm excited to play it more, but it did it didn't get me as excited as Cat in the Box. 
yeah, I mean, any game that any game you're like, I'm gonna get up early to get in line. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought you would do that. And we were up so late. We played so we every night we stayed up super late and played the crew, the deep sea version, and that was our first time playing that. We loved the crew. Last year we played a bunch of the regular crew. And that was so fun. We stayed up really, really late. Yeah, it, it was it was past our bedtimes. <laughs> it was. <laughs> well, what that's a- what I love about Origins. You go to the, the Hyatt, they have this bar area and everyone's there playing games. It was such a cool uh, place to hang out, too. Yeah, it, there was a lot of like a lot of pockets of people playing games. It was really cool to see. Mm-hmm. What was your so uh, what was your favorite part about Origins? My favorite part about Origins is devoting an entire long weekend to playing games with my friends. That's my absolute favorite part is that I get to get in a ton of gaming. And I love that. And I love that at Origins. And that's where I go. I love going to the board game room and, and playing some of my favorite games. We played my absolute favorite game with a couple of people that uh, were strangers we didn't know, it, which ended up being a good time. And then we I taught you guys a couple of games that you had never played. And you guys taught me a few games. And then we but, you know, we bought, bought, bought mobile markets. We ended up playing that, which was really good. So my favorite is just playing a shit ton of games. So what, but what was your favorite specifically about this year? Was there any moment where you're like, that stands out? Yeah, I love that it wasn't busy. There was a lot of people that were saying, oh, it's not very busy. It's not very busy. I loved it because we could get right in on the demos. It wasn't crowded. I enjoyed walking around the vendor halls. Typically, I don't like it because they're super crowded. I don't like large crowds like that. I don't like fighting my way in between, you know. So I like that whole aspect. I think my absolute favorite part is really was staying up super late playing the crew. That was pretty fun. I think one of my like favorite moments was I think I got I think I have two. And the first one was one of the very first nights we we kind of wrap up what we're playing and we're going to start heading back to the room and you and you and Jeremy, because we went with our friend Jeremy, uh, were talking about a game called Scout to me. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, that sounds interesting. But it's in- extremely difficult to find. I think it was nominated for the Spielejahr. So as we're walking, Natasha, out of her, the corner of her eye, spots a copy of the game. And there's this guy sitting at this table. And she's like, he has Scout. Hey, will you do, do you want to play Scout with us? And he's like, yeah, sure. Come on, <laughs> sit down. So she, I've, she, it was like a kid in the candy store. She was so excited. So <laughs> we got to meet one of our friends, Marcus. So uh-huh. we sat down. We were able to play Scout. And for, I don't know, we played a few rounds of it or whatever. But We played a few games of it, actually. Yeah, a few games. I, that's what I meant to say. And I don't know. It was just, it was, it was just fun to see how excited Natasha got when she saw a copy of that game. <laughs> and then the following night, we're st- we're up, we're playing the crew or whatever. And next thing you know, who do we see? Marcus. Marcus, come sit with us. <laughs> Let's play some of the crew. It was mm-hmm. it was a lot of fun. It was it was definitely a good time. Yeah, he was our favorite friend that we had met. That was a lot of fun. He had told us actually that he um, commissioned these artists for modern art, individual. So each of the cards you know, in modern art has these individual art portraits, and he commissioned his own artist locally and got them all done. And he flew into origins and brought that game in with him. He was going to set it all up and play it. And I didn't get to see that. I would have loved to see that. 
yeah, we were trying to run in, run into him again later on in the convention. It just didn't work out. But like modern art game, he actually, if I recall correctly, he said he's never actually played because he he runs it so much. Yeah, yeah. He even <laughs> has like a gavel and everything like that. Yeah, that was definitely fun to get to get to chat with him and you know play scout and have him join the crew and yeah, that mm-hmm. was fun. I said I do love playing, meeting people at Origins, playing games with them. And then running into them later. And, you know, this was a smaller con, so we were able to run into a lot of people that we had played with earlier, which was really cool. You know, and it was fun to to get an opportunity to to meet people. I love that a lot. Speaking of meeting people, my second favorite thing about Origins was it was Saturday. Jeremy had a game he had signed up for. So he's off playing. So it's just you and I, and we're like, you know what we need to do? We need to get a game of Scythe. So we go, we check it out. We set it all up. And, you know, Natasha grabs the game and starts walking around. Hey, do you want to play this game with us? Hey, do you want to play this game with us? So she meets this older gentleman. was like, hey, do you want to come play Scythe with us? And he's like, well, I want to see if the game looks interesting. Appealing. Appealing. I want to make sure the game looks appealing. Sure. So they come over, they look at the game, and he's just like, nope, doesn't look appealing. Turns around, just like walks away. <laughs> doesn't <laughs> like, like, nope, just see ya. <laughs> just just <laughs> takes off. <laughs> Which is so weird because Scythe is like, if all, if, even if you don't like Scythe, you have to acknowledge it's a really lovely looking game. Like the oh, artwork yeah. is gorgeous. Oh my god, it was so funny. And then I don't there was another guy there that I don't know if it was like his friend and he just like shrugged and walked off himself. Like oh, that was so awkward. Harder. It was a little harder to get people to play with. In the past I've played a lot with strangers. I've either saw people with cones up and for games I was interested in playing, or I set up my own cones and had people come right up right away. So that was definitely sparser, trying to find people to play with. And I think that was because, one, everybody had access to the board game room. And two, there was a lot of things you could do in the vendor hall because it wasn't so crowded. You could get in on those demos and and just see a lot of stuff. So there wasn't, I don't think there was as many people looking to get games played. Yeah, for sure. That The vendor hall being, I don't want to say slow, because I did talk to a couple of publishers and it wasn't as busy as, you know, pre-pandemic origins mm-hmm. yeah it was definitely probably on the i don't again i don't want to say slower side but it wasn't as packed in that in that hall i will yeah. say this i i do have i do have a negative of origins and it it got kind of bad and the biggest thing for me was we had signed up to play several games mm-hmm. and there's obviously volunteers who have to teach those games to us and it was shocking how poor some of these teachers were. Yeah. It, I mean, they were, some of them were brutal. I've never gotten up and just like pieced out on a game and I almost did it. Because mm-hmm. it was the, the guy who explained the game clearly knew the game extremely well. And I think there was an assumption that we knew stuff about the game going into that. And we didn't, we're just Mm -hmm. like, so then he gives us an overview. He's like, all right, so take your turns. I'll be back. I'm going to go check on this other table. And we're like, we don't even know what to do. Yeah. What are, what are our turns? And so he comes back and he, then he hands us the rule book in the back of the rule book. There's all the different actions you can take here. They are, but there was like eight different actions. 
Well, and at some point, one of the guy, uh, guys that was doing the game with us grabbed the rule book and started reading it in order mm-hmm. to just get us going. And I just, I understand they're volunteers. And a lot of times there's some sort of compensation involved. Like you get the game for free. They send it to you so you can learn it. And you, if you sign up for a number of sessions, you get a free badge. You can get a free room, all that stuff. And the thing is, I can forgive poor teaching. But this was horrendous teaching. It was next level bad. And yeah, I the fact that I was like, I don't I don't have no clue what's going on. And the guy keeps repeating the same thing. I'm just like, I I I'm done. Like, I've just I've checked out already at this Mm -hmm. point. But there was that said uh, that was probably my biggest complaint is there was a lot of people who try who was who were teaching games and just did an extremely poor job of it. Which mm-hmm. you would think people who sign up to teach games enjoy that. There are definitely people who did a good job teaching. Mm-hmm. For example, Mobile Markets, uh, the lady who taught us that, she did a phenomenal job. I even told her afterwards, I was like, listen, you're probably one of the best teachers we've had all weekend. Mm-hmm. And she was very concise, clear. She walked us through the process. She's like, "We're gonna, I'm going to show you round one, then I'm going to let you guys do round two. And yeah, it was just, it was just a bummer to have some poor experiences like that you know Mm -hmm. it's i mean i i get that a teach for a demo is going to be different than a teach when you sit down to play the game because you don't need to know everything at first because you don't need to make strategic decisions you just the idea is to learn the game right and when we taught mobile market she did that same thing she's like all right just so this is how you're going to do your first action you're going to you're going to select you're going to overlap these two tiles so just randomly do it and then we'll i'll show you how it works out i didn't mind that at all you know yeah that's kind of how they taught every other game was just like let's just get started and go but the way she did it she kind of walked you through it the first round you knew you weren't going to play a whole game so that you know there wasn't that that i don't know what to do i don't know what's the best thing but when we sat down to learn to play to play the whole game you kind of want the whole overview because if you just randomly start doing stuff but you have no idea why that's not funny if you're going to play a whole big epic game yeah it was like i said it was it was a bummer but Overall, aside from that, like it was a it was a great con. We had an opportunity to sit down and play a bunch of games. I I enjoyed myself in the vendor hall, uh, just because I I don't know I love the vendor hall. I love chatting with people in the vendor hall. There felt like I felt like there was a lot of small publishers there, a lot more than before. And I don't know if I just didn't notice them before because the big ones just took all our attention. But there was a lot of small publishers with a lot of games that I didn't recognize. And I thought that was really cool. If you were looking for some new games, maybe unheard of games, like that would have been the great place for you to go because they had a lot. What I'm surprised we were able to do is convince you to demo a game that hasn't even hit Kickstarter yet. Oh, my God. I totally regret that. <sighs> that was the worst. <laughs> it was. Oh, my God. I was, I was so, so su- good. At, and I loved it. I was like, oh, it's fine. I don't mind. And then I played it and I loved it. And I'm like, God damn it. Oh, I Natasha, again. do you want to pick it up right now? Oh, wait, you can't. can't you have, no. it, it's coming so, to Kickstarter in July. Let me tell you about this game because it's really good. <laughs> it's called Trailblazer. It's a card game. and tie, Like the tile lane, you take the cards and you lay them down and you make these little pathways. Um, and the cards are, you know, one by two. That's how thick they are. So they're long and skinny, you know. And you can, um, you're trying to make three different paths over four different rounds. 
or three different types of paths. You can do lots of little paths or one big one. And what, what what's neat about it is you can turn the cards around in any orientation and you can also overlap them. So if you get a better card, you can put it right on top. And, and there's, so there's a lot of decisions and strategies around it. I was super excited about it. It comes in this little pouch. The whole game fits in this little pouch that you zip up. You could take it camping. They're water resistant cards. So it's super cool. But yeah, you can't buy it. It's coming to Kickstarter though. Are you going to Kickstart it? No, I don't Kickstart. <laughs> yeah, wait it two was years for it. I'll wait till uh, it com- it'll come to retailers because it's it's a great game. I think it's going to do really well. I think it's actually going to do pretty solid too. It was a it was a cool game because it definitely for how fast it is, it gave you a lot to think about. Mm-hmm. Partly because you can overlap, you can turn them whichever way you want. You can because you end up having three camps. There's a, like a dirt camp. There's a forest camp and then there's a water camp essentially and you're trying to make the longest route of one of those back to itself. So it needs to lead off the camp and come back. And it there's a lot of decisions to be made because you have a hand of eight cards. You draft two of them. So you're looking at the two and where can I put this? Because just the fact that you're adding it to the outside of the board is very Carcassonne-esque. Mm-hmm. But the fact that you can literally cover up previous ones Mm-hmm. And, is, and is the a paths different are level. cool. So on each card, it wasn't just like one path where there was like one choice. Like a card might have like, I don't know, like four or five different paths on it because it could go from corner to corner edge, you know, each of the edges, like multiple ones on each edge. There was just a lot within the one card. And I think that was what was so cool about it. It wasn't like I could place this road over here or over here. Like there was like a million different opportunities to use that card. Yeah, it was per- it was it was pretty cool. I think that game's going to do well for sure. And yeah. if you you can get, I think you can play up to eight, and it's simultaneous play, so it's like seven wonders and Carcassonne like added together. Yeah. So it's definitely it was definitely an interesting game, and it should it sh- I think it should do pretty well. I think they were saying August maybe. I think I just I previously said July, but God, August or September, I want to say. Hopefully, it won't take long since it's just a simple card game. Well, in the version we saw, they were talking about upgrading it, and it was still really good. It was mm-hmm. it would to, I didn't know it was a prototype based on what was there. No, just of how it was, good it looked, you know. Mm-hmm. It looked really good. I liked the art style a lot. I think this would be could be a game that's so, sold at um, like uh, national parks, you know, or your little gift shop in the park, you know, especially because it comes in that little zip box. Yeah, the little tote or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Small. Throw in your purse. Well, I don't have a purse, but. You can, yeah, it came with a little clip. You clip it to your belt buckle. Carry around while you're hiking, and then at night you can play a cool card game. Yeah, you can put it in your fanny pack that you carry around everywhere. I do have a fanny pack. That's the worst. I can't believe I, I can't believe you sported a fanny pack the entire convention. I don't think I've ever been to a convention without a fanny pack. It's an essential. they're not cool. And they're trending now. No, no, no. They're back in style. You I can disagree. wear them across your chest and everything. That's, I mean, I wouldn't because i that's the whole reason why you wear fanny packs around your waist to get the, you know, the weight off your a, shoulder. Isn't that, isn't that just a purse at that point? Yeah, I don't get that. But they are trendy. You know, I, I did look cool. Sure. Something like that. Uh-huh. Well, my fanny pack, it has a water bottle holder so I can s- slide my water bottle into it. I don't have to carry anything, little sure. snacks, my money, I'm all set. 
everything you need in a fanny mm-hmm. pack. All right, Bob. What other games did you play at Origins? Like, did I demo or did I actually like play? We sat down and play. Yeah, tell me some on that. You, some of the games you signed up for to demo or to just play. Yeah, so we did. Um, so we did Planet Unknown. Oh yeah, I love that one. That was that's a Natasha game if I've ever seen it. If I've ever seen one, that mm-hmm. one that one's cool because it's a polyomino game, and uh, it has a unique mechanism where everyone kind of puts a arrow on this board that rotates. Lazy Susan. Your, yeah, Lazy Susan. Perfect. Yeah, and as you rotate it, you lock it in a position, and people have to take the tile that's next to their arrow. So as mm-hmm. that kind of cool concept, you're trying to move up some tracks, which obviously I'm I'm a fan of moving up tracks. So that part I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. You get some civ cards. It was good. It was it was definitely one of those games that I was surprised actually about how good it was. Yeah, when we showed up, there was twelve of us with two games. So I was like, yeah, we're gonna do six and six, and I was like, oh, six and six, damn, that's gonna take forever. But it's simultaneous play, right? You select which side you're taking and everyone else gets to select one of theirs and then they all put it down at the same time so it was quick yeah it was super fast so even with six it it went it went pre- a pretty good clip mm-hmm. uh man what else did i sign up for i played a bunch of random games because i demoed quite a bit too um uh, we, did mosaic. we did mosaic oh yeah gutenberg yep. yeah we did uh mosaic and gutenberg gutenberg i really wanted to like that game more than i did it was fine yeah, that's the best way I can describe it. It was fine, which is unfortunate because I really love the theme on that. You know, the mm-hmm. printing press and everything that like that. We did kind of play it wrong uh, for the first maybe round or two, but when, even once we corrected it, it wasn't. It was a bit, it was more, we played it more open and it was a bit more restrictive. And I think that restrictiveness made it slightly better. But even then, I, I, it didn't wow me. You know, Mosaic seemed cool. So I'm interested in getting more plays of that. Yeah, that that's a civilization building game, but it's really there's not a lot of combat. It's a lot of card play. Yes, a lot of buying yep. and coll- like more set collection cards. Yeah, the map for the most part is kind of area control. You're picking up tokens and stuff. Very rarely are you like battling. And the type of the way you look at the board too, it seems like it's going to be more similar to Scythe, where you're going to think it's a combat game, but it really isn't. Mm-hmm. You know, so that that game seemed fun. It seemed fun. We played a short version of it, so I'm anxious to play it for real and play a, like a little bit meatier game and see how it is. Yep, definitely looks still interesting. It though, I played on the Origins of Species. And I really liked the look of it. It was really pretty. It was fine. You know, it was kind of like Gutenberg. It was fine. I enjoyed it. It had a neat mechanic of putting cubes out. And then when you take the cubes off, that's the resources you get. And you can use it to, like, collect another animal. But, I I, I mean, I'm glad I got to play it. I probably won't ever play it again. And that's fine. I think one of the games that I, that I liked a lot was Mobile Markets. When we got, we demoed that game. And afterwards, I was like, I got to pick this up. This game's good. Mm-hmm. It's it can be. I feel like if you make some poor decisions early on, it can be pretty punishing. Overall, I thought it was really good, and it's it almost scratches that smartphone ink itch, and something that's a lot faster because it was actually quite fast. Yeah, I haven't played smartphone ink, but I did enjoy this. I really liked the theme that you're trying to sell cell phones to customers. That's it. It's very it's very uh, modern, you know. 
and a lot of board games aren't modern and i like that i wonder how it'll age you know in 10 years if it'll be obsolete with the technology i think the game itself will be fine but the technology everyone will laugh like ah 5g yeah what's 5g 8k (laughs) what we have sixty four thousand (laughs) k. yeah but i i liked it it was the the game itself was was pretty good i don't know i like those kind i like that kind of theme though because it's it's something that you don't see very often yeah right? yeah so. i like that a lot yeah modern and, and and i liked the look of it like the white and i don't know it looks really good and it, it flowed really nice we talk about games and i can't i can't not bring up the fact that we played the crew so much we got 52 plays in of the crew <laughs> so we played it ba- like Natasha said, we played it basically every single night. We ended up just sitting around playing the crew. And yeah, I don't know. I just, I love that game so much. The more and more I play it, the more and more I love it. I know. It's I know. so good. We had a lot of fun playing it last year, the space one. And it was a lot easier. It was fun to play it at three because it was a lot easier. And yep. so this game was... Not quite as easy at three. I think we had a 50-50, right? A 50-50 wins and losses. The game, at the end of the day, I think we played 52 and we've lost, I think we lost like 28. I think we're 24 and 28, maybe. Yeah, we had more losses than wins. So I think it was a little bit more balanced. Or in the regular version of Crew, like five players was super hard. Four was the sweet spot and three was pretty easy to win. This we definitely lost a lot, and it was, that was cool. I really like the fact that you're pulling over the cards, and you're going to have different like edicts every single time. You're going to have a new set of stuff, yeah, to have to like deal with, and they're all they all have challenge ratings on them, so it gives you an idea of how difficult it is. So this challenge you have to get up to twelve, so you get a three, a three, a four, and you just keep going until you sum up twelve. So there, there were times where we were playing and that we'd have like six, seven cards out. And then I yeah. would, you know, one of us would take it and be like, I can't take any of the other ones. They all contradict the one I have. <laughs> so we'd have to back it up. Be like, I can't take that one. It says, you know, have the least amount of tricks. But this other one says I have to have the most amount of tricks. I can't do both. Yeah. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Or like. I was like the second to last to choose and whatever one I didn't take you were going to get. And I was like, well, you can't take the other one because that contradicts. So I guess I have to take this one. Yeah, it was it was good. It was really good. It was. Yeah, it was definitely a good time. All right. Well, that's it for our Origins 2022 review. Thanks for listening this week. Join us next week where we're going to talk about our collections. How many games do you need to own to be a board gamer? Eight million. Um, eight million. All of them. <laughs> It, all of them. <laughs> Please leave us a review and check us out on Instagram or Facebook. Um, send us your questions to boardgameshenanigans at gmail.com. Have a great week, everyone. We'll talk to you later. See you next week.